Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are locked on Lakers. Your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. The Lakers won a basketball game. They won a road basketball game. They had lost a dozen in a row before they took on the New York Knicks tonight at Madison Square Garden. They handled their business. They they took care of it. I mean, they, they were way up basically from start to finish. Uh, they wind up finishing 121 to 107. Uh, the big thing, Harrison, you, you watched every single second of this game from start to finish. So uh, what was your what was your number one takeaway? Well, so I think the number one takeaway from this game is just how much better the starters looked without Luol Deng and Timofey Mozgov, which is really, I think, going to be a problem for the Lakers going forward since they have devoted so much money to those guys, even though they were fairly respectful about you know their new roles after the game but i just i thought the ball was moving better i thought it was cool to see the young guys out there together i actually thought the new bench lineup with uh, mozgov got a dnpcd but i thought the new bench lineup with dang actually looked okay clarkson played a little bit more point guard it sounded like he was happy about that and you know i i think it just mostly good things for the lakers i'd say so this is gonna this is gonna terrify everybody but harrison just completely bullshat that segment he didn't watch any of the game at all, but he he put together. A, I watched like five minutes of the game, <laughs> but he put together a really good summary of this game. So, <laughs> Harrison Fagan, utmost professional. Yeah, my day my day at work has taught me how to create something out of nothing. <laughs> so, uh, but everything that you said, would you kind of hit somehow? You hit the the nail on the head. Uh, the the Lakers starters. It was nice. I may have, I may have gotten some cliff notes from a friend of ours. They started the game. Uh, Melo scored the first four points of the game, and that was the last time uh, the, the the Knicks really competed with the Lakers. They the Lakers pretty much immediately after being down four zero, jumped on the Knicks, went on a nice little seven zero run, and then you know turned that into a fifteen something run, and and it was just that the Lakers were just they were far and away the better team. Can I can I break in for a second here and say that I did get to catch a lot of the post game stuff because I was done with my newspaper obligations in large part by then. Mm-hmm. But Jordan, somebody asked Jordan Clarkson about the the Knicks leading four zero, and they were clearly getting ready to seek into a segment of like, but otherwise you guys led most of the way, and like he kind of cut it off and was like, yeah, you know, we've been down more by more than that before, so like four zero wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> Ingram actually and I was said. Just like, 
Ingram actually said that I think he I don't know I might be paraphrasing incorrectly here but after the game they asked him about it he airballed a free throw when they were still down 4-0 and he said that after he airballed the free throw everybody just kind of like woke up <laughs> so the key to victory is Brandon Ingram airballing free throws yeah, they had to find something now that Timo can't get hit in the face anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. That's but, yeah, I was that. just going to say, like, Jordan Clarkson, he probably saw that lead. And then, you know, but maybe the Lakers were a little scared at first. And then Luke Walton probably yelled at them from the bench, like, hey, guys, I've seen teams come back from way bigger deficits <laughs> than this. Uh, in last night's Super Bowl, for example. And, by the way, I told you yesterday. Or the NBA Finals. I guarantee. Yes, that too. Uh, I guaranteed that I, I uh, gave the – Patriots a Super Bowl victory yesterday by picking Atlanta and, and I wound up being right so uh, I actually thought that you picked the Patriots it shows you how much I paid attention to that last part <laughs> so uh, the the Lakers starters we should talk about them really quickly the number one thing Probably. that kind of stuck out to me stuck out yeah, to it, me I, I should ask you what went right for what went so right for them because you said that you know they came back from they were down 4-0 they jumped out 15-4 whatever what was going so right I, I saw a lot of people tweeting about the ball movement was better mm-hmm. I saw you know a lot of that stuff but what did you feel like went right in small sample size for this new unit well so first and foremost everybody's activity on the offensive glass was the difference in the game tonight like the ball movement, ball movement did look a little bit better, and and there were some things that they did in that respect that, you know, you'd like to see carry over from game to game. But as far as you know, what what we actually, you know, what the actual difference was in the game, there was no point in which the Knicks front court, led by Kristaps Bustingas, uh, had a chance against you know Tarek Black and and Julius Randle. Yeah, somebody should. Somebody's probably going to tweet something regret, regrettable about the Knicks. Should probably wish that they took Julius Randle with that pick that they got Kristaps with, or something. <laughs> if like, yeah. Where's Where's Tim McMahon when we need him? Uh, oh man, God, you didn't have to put anybody on blast. Hey, when you say stupid stuff like that, sometimes like I get I get put on blast all the time for my Randle takes. Like that's just how this stuff works. Uh, Randall did look pretty good tonight. He wound up fouling out, but I, I did like how, you know, active he was. He, he was making really good decisions with the ball. He seemed to take it as like a personal challenge that he was guarded by Chris Tapps Porzingis. Uh, the last time they played the Knicks, remember Porzingis kind of went off. He was, yeah. And he pretty much mitigated Randall's length to, or mitigated Randall with his length. Yeah. And so tonight it was, it was pretty obvious right from the get go that Randall was going to go at Chris Stapps and he really, you know, he mitigated the, the length or Chris Stapps length by just basically running really hard at his chest as often as he possibly could. That's uh, why I drafted him for running back for my <laughs> Lakers football team. Yeah. So I good, it was good strategy. They, uh, now, Chris Tapps, I do believe, since he's come back, he, he hurt his Achilles and he was out for a little while. And since he's come back, I, I heard from a couple, you know, Knicks bloggers and people who cover the team out there that he hasn't been moving as well since he came back. And it was pretty o- obvious and evident tonight that he just he's not moving the way he was, uh, which for him, being as big as he is, you know, once you start losing any kind of mo- mobility, he already isn't that mobile. So when you start losing any mobility on top of that, it kind of takes away from it. And it's also he's so young that I don't think he can. Would you talk about where where uh, I, I think you made the point right with somebody else 
that they're they're young enough that um, when they when they hurt themselves, it's harder for them to overcome an injury because they haven't really learned how to deal with it like other NBA vets. Uh, that's kind of what I was looking at tonight with Chris Saps, where he just running up and down the court. Yeah, just, and when you, I think when it. you say losing, you don't mean like permanently. You just mean it to be just to be clear. Like you just mean for right now, he has lost that. Yeah, no, I, I, it'll come back eventually, but he just, yeah. he didn't, he didn't look very good tonight. And then the other thing too with that Knicks team is they look insanely despondent. Like right when the Lakers kind of jumped on them, they all said, well, F this. Oof. Yeah, I mean, in my experience from what I've watched of the Knicks this year, pretty much if you just were to zoom in in slow-mo and play that Hello Darkness, my old friend, like mm-hmm. it would work with almost any Knicks body language clip. Or like uh, at the end of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes. Was like, yeah, the Yep, that one. <laughs> it's basically like Jeff Hornacek's ringtone, I would imagine at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the other thing that on the, you know, the, the plus side, there was a lot to love about this game. Everybody looked pretty good in their own way. Uh, but the one thing that I would imagine people would get on us for not talking about if we didn't mention it was D'Angelo Russell only played 20 minutes. He sat out the whole fourth quarter. Now I saw some people on Twitter saying that they don't have as big a problem with it because he's still recovering from injury. He's been playing big minutes. It was the front night of a back-to-back, so maybe they were saving him tomorrow, seeing as how far up they, uh, how far up they were on the Knicks, and all that makes sense. But conversely, because he's been playing so well lately, like the last thing a team ever wants when they're when they're outperforming expectations is like halftime, for example, right? That's why coaches call timeouts to break up the momentum. And Russell has been playing so well lately that you kind of want to see him carry this momentum for as long as he possibly can. And this hurts him doing that by playing so few minutes tonight. And not, and especially like it, it, watching the fourth quarter is like, okay, when's he coming back in? When's he coming back in? And, and it just never manifested itself at, at all in the fourth. So that was, what would you, I mean, based on if just hearing about Russell playing 20 minutes, what was your first, you know, immediate reaction to it? Did you have one? Well, my first immediate reaction is that they're not on a back-to-back. They don't play again until Wednesday. Okay, so that's even dumber than people were saying. (laughs) (laughs) But my – somehow I – yeah, I'm more informed despite not watching the game. Shouldn't be a surprise. (laughs) But I guess – I, you know, I listened to Luke talk about it after the game because I caught like the tail end of the fourth quarter on, in and out. But and then Luke was talking after the game and he said about Russell that he was happy with his decision making pretty much. But he said, quote, I still want him to push the ball faster in his defense, running the offense. He was making the right plays. But then he continued to talk a little bit about how he wants them to play at a higher tempo, which kind of confirms something that I think you and I have talked about a little bit this year is that Russell is kind of. There are times where he look, it looks like he wants to slow things down, but I think Luke wants to speed them up, and he mm-hmm. kind of confirmed that on the record tonight. Yeah, and, and at least there's clarity as to what's going on there, right? Whereas with the last coach, it would, you know... He's, that... he's giving D'Angelo a clear basketball thing that he wants him to change. Yeah. Not his man uptitude or toughness <laughs> or whatever it may be. Foxhole digging ability... Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, whether or not he would shoot someone in the back in a foxhole. Uh, But so I, I, I will say this. I was frustrated watching it happen. And I tweeted afterward that, you know, 
it was stupid that that Russell played as few minutes as he did. And I and I you know, I kind of stand by that. I, I don't get where he's coming from there. You could tell him to you know speed up the the tempo and then put him back into the game so that he he can speed up the tempo, you know, without benching him completely. I I didn't get I didn't understand the move. Yeah, fun fact about basketball that I don't didn't need to watch the game to understand is that you can't push the tempo from the bench. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's odd. It's odd that he went completely in that direction. So we'll, we'll see. I how mean, that turns I, I'm out. sure part of it was just that they were blowing them out. Right. Yeah. And, and like I said, and, and I get it, you know, they're far enough ahead and he has been playing a lot of minutes and he's dealt with injuries a bunch this year. So, and he just said after last game that, that when they've been playing him more, he said, Russell has earned more minutes in his eyes. So I, I don't think that this is like something, I don't think that this is indica- indicative of a trend in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly weird, though, that the game after saying Russell has earned more minutes, Russell plays the fewest minutes he's played all year, other than the Indiana game when he only played Luke one. Walton's and got always hurt. zigging when everybody's zagging, or everybody <laughs> expects him to zag. He's, he's like, the teams are getting ready. To, okay, I guess we got to scout up and watch more Russell because he's going to play more. And Russell, he's <laughs> like, no, it's a it's a one two punch. Like he hits you a couple times with Russell, and then and then knocks you out with Lou. Yeah, Russell's. Yeah, Walton just walks in like ha. Gotcha, suckers. Uh, other than that, though, as far as the new the new starters go, they all look good. Zubots played a little bit better tonight. That that was nice to see. Black was a plus thirty four, which is insane. <laughs> which is that's hilarious. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Uh, shout out to Tarek Black. Uh, I mean, he's so he's so undervalued, and we say it so much. It seems like he's one of those guys that's undervalued for being over or overvalued for being undervalued. But honestly, I just think in the national consciousness, if you ask ninety percent of NBA fans who Tarek Black is, they wouldn't know. And he is like a really solid NBA big. Yes, he and he would be like if I was a team and I was trying to you know get somebody who you know to fortify my front line, he's a great option to do that with. It's just a matter of what you can actually give up to get him. We know David Griffin listens to the podcast, so maybe he'll have interest. <laughs> Uh, all right, so that does it for the for the new starters and the guys who who played better uh, tonight. Again, I it's kind of a weird game because of so many, uh, you know, the minutes that Russell didn't play and then beating the Knicks by as much as they did. It's kind of hard to hard to really you know figure out pinpoint what exactly to analyze after a game like this. It's just good to see for me that the the Lakers came out and put away a bad opponent the way they did because that's been something they've struggled with for good portions of the year. Yeah, and it's funny to see all the ball movement quotes coming through from the Lakers, and then Kristaps after the game via Ian Bagley of ESPN New York says, it's kind of everybody out for themselves a lot of times, both ends of the floor. <laughs> well, it was funny. Like, they I don't know started... why he didn't just at Carmelo Anthony. Well, they, they started the game with like seven straight isolation plays for Melo. It was insane. It was like watching Kobe again. <laughs> I, I like to picture Christoph Porzingis like looking directly at Carmelo Anthony while he's saying this, <laughs> and just being like, and just being like, well, you know, some of us are trying to go one on one a little bit too often, and it just seems almost like some of us don't trust other ones of us. He's like coughing under his breath. He's like, hello, hello, yeah. <laughs> it's too much, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so so that does it. The poor Knicks, poor Knicks, and their poor fans. That that whole organization sucks. Uh, speaking of, <laughs> so now that Anthony has completely murdered and buried the Knicks, <laughs> the uh, the 
the opposite of what Chris Stapps is doing there and subtweeting uh, Carmelo Anthony. I thought that the Lakers veterans, Luol Deng and, and Timothy Moskov tonight, could have handled that situation really poorly. They could have said some stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, going from Mozgov going from starting and playing a bunch of minutes to not playing at all, uh, especially for a competitor, is that's tough to take. Luol Deng sitting for, you know, Ingram, I, I think at this point, Luol is still a better player than Ingram, right? Uh, and so, you know, sitting for a, a lesser player when you know you still have some left in the tank, those things can be tough for, for veterans to take, but... In their defense, and and this is probably why the Lakers went so hard after the these guys the way they did. Both Dang and Mozgov were just utmost professionals with what they had to say after the game. Do you have the quotes in front of you by chance? Yeah. So Dang, he said the whole year I knew it was about the young guys. I think everybody knows that. Which you know, I he's not wrong. I think everybody did kind of know that going into the year. And then he uh, what he also said. You know, he was asked specifically about coming off the bench, and this is via Tanya Ganguly of the Los Angeles Times, and he just said, "Does it matter? I would never make it about me." Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he he said he had those responses, and then Timofey Mozgov just basically was asked for also via Tanya was asked for his response to the benching, and he just said, "I don't know yet. I don't know yet. We just tried to do something better for the team. It's hard to tell you right now what's really going on in my mind. It's a lot of thoughts and everything. And then later, just it's my questions. I don't want to let you guys know it's my business. Yeah. On you know if he had any questions for Luke about why he was benched, and, and it's so, absolutely fair of him to ask for more time to to yeah, you know, figure this stuff I, I out. See, I see people getting upset about this response online, and I don't know what what response you want a guy that's been starting the whole year and is a competitor to have. It's not like like if he were to just lay down, I think that's almost that's almost worse. Like, and he's not like he's not fighting it. He obviously like he took it and he's like handling it about as maturely as you really could ask a guy who went from starter to to DNPCD to handle it. I I don't totally understand what people are upset about. Right, and and here's the thing. So it's easier for Ma, or for Dang to handle it, right? Because he was, he, you know, he just kind of loses his starting spot and he loses a few minutes, uh, but he's still playing. But to go from from starting and being the guy as the center uh, for a team, and then <laughs> to not play at all, that's tough. And didn't Mozgov was he was he ever a Nick? He wasn't ever a Nick, was he? He was a Nick. To so start his to start his career. So you have to you have to think. Too, no, wait. I, was he? Yeah, he was part of the mellow deal. There you go. So, uh, it you know you have to think you have to think somebody who you know he's in a building that he'd played in before, you know, and that's also going on in his mind. So there's yeah, a, it must have been awkward when they played the "I'm Coming Home" video and <laughs> he wasn't in the game. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, Timo. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, low I, so here's. Do you think Timo should get some minutes, though? Because I kind of think he should get some minutes. Not playing at all is pretty in- extreme. I mean, on merit or on contract status, locker room dynamic status? Both. Because they're different answers. I think that I think both. Like, I think when it comes I mean, to- on merit, you know, it is tough because he did just play one of his better games of the year the last game right before this happened. Mm-hmm. And... I, or maybe it was two games ago. I'm kind of it's all blurring together. Yep. But like he he hasn't been like irredeemable lately. 
and to just go completely out of the rotation, I get why he'd be upset. But honestly, you you saw it tonight where just there have been a lot of times where Black and Zubats have looked better, and Zubats is the young guy that they think might be the future at this position, and so they have to make minutes for him. And Black has just plainly been the best center on the roster this year. Yeah, and it also helped the Black play the way he did tonight. Black was really good. Yeah, he had a sweet he, euro step around Kristaps that. I he had a euro didn't. step. He had a euro step. <laughs> I, if you told me Tarek Black euro step and you asked me to say what happened, I would have pictured something similar to that vine of you in Vegas. <laughs> I, just, I should have seen that coming, and I shouldn't that's, have mentioned euro step. <laughs> that's nor because that, that I mean, Black, he's talented, but that's just normally not his skill set. No, he it was a, it was a pretty sweet move. He made a he made like a, a rocker step, uh, then euro stepped around. Kristaps snuck the ball under Kristaps' arm, you know, to get the ball up to the rim, finished it, help came over to rotate and try to block it, and it was a great move. And he, you know, like I said earlier, the whole Lakers' front line manhandled the Knicks' front line, especially when it comes to the offensive rebounding, and he was a huge part of that tonight. So, uh, you know, with him playing the way he did tonight, I'd be interested to see if Luke said that it was, you know, it was a conscious decision that he just wasn't going to play Mozgov at all, or if he saw the way Black was playing and said, well, you know, I think we can get by without Mozgov tonight. I, those are two different things. And if it's the latter, then I could understand where he's coming from. But I, I don't think I don't think it's it's fair to a professional to go from starter. To, I don't know why I said starter like that, but I don't know why you go from starter to DMPCD like that. I, I, I just don't think that's fair. You're putting a guy in a situation where you're opening him up to saying something he's going to regret post-game. And it's just a really good thing that he handled it the way he did. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think both of them handle it about as well as you could reasonably expect. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And and again, you know, for people who say, you know, those deals are awful. And, and yes, it's probably not a good sign that in game 54 in the first year of a four-year $64 million deal – Mozgov gets a DNPCD, right? Well, and what what I thought was interesting was that Walton, before the game, said that he he was the one that went to Bus and Cupcheck about this to make sure that they were fine with it, and they said okay. So he basically it, it's gotten to the point where he went to the GM and the vice president, and he basically said, you know, hey, can I bench our two highest paid players because I think the team's going to be better. Compare that to the last coach who was who had to get told by the front office multiple times to play the kids, and he fought it every step of the way, reportedly. <laughs> Good Lord, Luke is so much better than that guy. Um, all right, so that's about all I have on, on Mozgov and Dang. And again, it's great to see how they handle that situation. Let's see how it carries forward You know, as, as this situation continues to evolve. Uh, you wanted to talk about Jeannie Buss and Kobe Bryant. Uh, I think it's a pretty there's a pretty easy connection here to make, and I, I would imagine you're gonna you're gonna head in that direction. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just I'm connecting dots here. Jeannie Buss goes to dinner with Magic Johnson, gets tweeted about. A couple weeks later, he's officially on the Lakers payroll. So now all of a sudden, Jeannie tweets out a picture of her with a very bearded Kobe Bryant, and. Like, like saying it's it's great to be around his Mamba mentality. It's inspiring. I think Kobe's coming out of retirement. I can't disagree. I mean, I 
It would suck. I mean, we saw we saw Luke is willing to change the starting lineup. Sorry, Swaggy, <laughs> you're going to the bench. <laughs> on a scale of it's one, Kobe Re farewell tour time. On a scale of one to a zillion, how shocked would you be if that was the actual development? A zillion. A zillion. So just I, so that's not what that's not what's happening here. No, I know, I know. I just want everybody to to recognize that that that's not what this means. I I do think it probably might signal Kobe having some kind of role. Within the he organization. said earlier this year on the on the radio he really only wanted to be in a behind the scenes thing. I I just don't see him coming back to the Lakers like officially. Yeah. I, I think maybe you know maybe he'd be willing to work. He said I think that he's willing to work. I think Ingram has said that he's going to planning to work out with Kobe and things like that. And so I, I could see him doing that and doing his Kobe non disclosure agreement workout with me camp for like like over the summer with the guys, mm-hmm. but because nobody is willing to talk about those workouts for whatever reason. Really but nice. yeah, I, and you know, so maybe they'll do that. Maybe he'll be maybe he'll be somewhat he'll be a little bit more public at games or something at some point in the near future. But I just can't actually see him coming back in like a day to day role or even something like Magic Johnson where it's not a day to day thing, but it's like a do you need where do you need me? I'll come in and fill in in that area type deal. Well, I think I think Kobe has just he's moved on for whatever reason. And and I'm, I'm not knocking either way here. Right. I'm not saying the way Kobe has moved on in retirement is the right way to handle it. And I'm not saying that the way the the old Showtime Lakers have have not moved on is 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 the right way to handle it. Right. All those all the Showtime Lakers want to be around the Lakers as much as they possibly can. Whereas I mean, just devil's advocate. You've read about what went on around the Showtime Lakers when they were the Showtime Lakers, right? No, I'm not. I'm not saying they're I'd, wrong. To I'd want probably to... want to keep hanging around the Lakers too. <laughs> you guys got to read that. I think it's just, the book's called Showtime, right? There's a. There's I think a, so. Yeah. Yeah. So go go check out that book. Uh, but but yeah, I, I think the 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 old Showtime Lakers are. You know, they want to. They take pride in being a Laker, and they'll tell anybody who'll listen and sit down for thirty seconds that they know what it takes to be a Laker. And Kobe is kind of on the other side of it, where he's he's moved on. He wants to do other projects. When people ask him about, you know, whether or not he wants to be with the Lakers, he he does handle it pretty well, and he's you know he's he's pretty politically correct about the, his answers there. But I think he's he's moved on at least for now. And if years go by and he wants to take up that role, then fine. But as of right now, he's he's not he's not ready for it. And all this is to say that that he and Jeannie are are definitely going to run the Lakers next year. Yeah, I think Kobe. I think Kobe, vice president of basketball operations and senior Mamba director, is an incoming title. They could you see the Lakers, you know, putting a, a, a in their new facility a snake pit that he has to manage? No, I th- see. What I think that they're going to do is they're just going to have like the Kobe room where he mm. breaks in the young players. Like they just they walk like they get escorted in there after their rookie press conference and they walk in and it's just like a dark gym and all of a sudden they hear a ball dribbling and they just hear it like soft soft <laughs> soft I was picturing more of like an interrogation room when Kobe's sitting there at the desk ready for him for some reason he's holding a fork and a knife and he's just ready for him they don't know why it's not it's, it hasn't been made clear to them it's just like it's just a little unsettling he's in full uniform yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man i right. miss kobe me too come back kobe well don't actually come back i i, I move on but 
but come back. Um, all right. That does it for this episode of the show. The Lakers wind up winning 121 to 107. They beat the New York Knicks in New York and once again prove that New York as a basketball city is highly overrated. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who listened. Uh, you could find the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Make sure you're using all those promos, whether it's Lakers, LO Lakers, Lakers 10, whatever you might want to use. Uh, we'll talk to everybody again tomorrow. It's an off day, so Harrison and I will figure out something to talk about. And then uh, the Lakers play again on Wednesday. They do not play back-to-back, as some people apparently on Twitter think. On Twitter, yeah, blame Twitter for your mistake. That's what I saw all over my timeline. Anywho, uh, thanks, Harrison, for, for, for talking and, and bullcrapping your way through, uh, through the analysis in the first segment. I'm a true pro. Thanks, Anthony. <laughs> Shouts to Sasha Vujicic. <laughs> Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.